weeks ago, my mom was uh, helping us uh, get my kids to church. Uh, we had some preview experiences, and uh, so Ava and I were just focused on getting ready for the whole experience and whatnot, and so my mom came in for the weekend and took the kids off of our hands. If you're parents, you know that's the biggest blessing in the world. And uh, so on the way, uh, my mom forgot to put our dog away, uh, and so I get a phone call from Utah, and it's our security system. The alarm's going off, and they're wanting, you know, should we call the cops? And I was like, no, it's probably just my dog. Let me, let me call my mom. And, and so I call, and it, it, is, it is the dog. She's like, yeah, I forgot to put him away. So she turns the car around. And what happened was when she turned the car around, my oldest son, Landon, started to freak out. Why aren't we going to Wellspring? Grandma, do you, do you not love Jesus anymore? Grandma, don't you love Wellspring? Why aren't we going to Wellspring? Landon, don't worry. We just have to go back. We have to set the alarm. Everything's, everything's okay. And then it turned into, well, the cops are coming. We're going to get arrested. Are we going to get arrested, Grandma? Like, no, Dad took care of it. Everything is okay. And, and so she calmed him down, and it turned into a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old discussing everything that they're afraid of, lions, tigers, bears, oh my. And uh, it was, it was uh, adorable in one sense, and, uh, but he, he freaks out about every little thing. He gets it directly from his mom, and uh, we, we're, we're driving, and, and you know, like, if you, if you can relate to being a hypochondriac, uh, that you hear a little, you hear a little, like, noise in the car, and all of a sudden it goes from a little noise to a pop tire to a blown up engine, and, like, all in a matter of, like, I don't know how we got here. And, uh, and so he gets it from his mom, and th- this would be a hard conversation for them. There's some fear, though, that's good, isn't there? Like, when my son says, I'm afraid of a tiger, like, Praise God you're afraid of a tiger, because if you've ever seen one, I don't want you to go up there and try to pet the tiger. That's a good thing. It's a good, healthy fear. And in, in a spiritual sense, it's good to, be, uh, to have the healthy fear of the Lord, a level of respect, honor for Jesus. But then there's some fear that's, that's bad, that cripples, paralyzes, distracts us from what we're supposed to be doing. Joshua's in that boat that we're going to look at today. Verse 1 of Joshua, we're going to start preaching through the book of Joshua. Uh, tune in because we're going to be here till the uh, middle of August. Uh, no, just actually end of July. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to work through the book of Joshua. And so here's the opening verse of the book. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So this is launching a new series called Do or Die. Let me, let me set up why we're calling it the series Do or Die. And it's simply this. Egypt, you had a bunch of Israelites. You had the plagues. God miraculously takes the Egyptians out. They go into the wilderness through miraculous things in the wilderness. But they lack faith. They, they, in their lack of faith, they're, they're disobedient to God. And, and so all... The Israelites' ancestors are now dead in, in the wilderness because they, they didn't want to give God everything. They lacked faith. And so here's a new generation of Israelites that are ready to walk into the promised land, and they have this choice to make. Am I all in or am I all out? How is it going to be going forward? It's do or die, all in or all or nothing. And this promise came way before Egypt. In Genesis 15, we have Abram. And God makes him a promise. He says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look heaven, look forward, look toward heaven, the number of the stars, if you're able to number them. And then he said, So shall your offspring be. 
And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So there's this promise made to Abram at the time. And then his name becomes Abraham. It's confusing. So let's just call him Abraham. For the, for, that's how we know him. So Abraham has this promise. He says, I'm like 99-something years old, but you know what? God made me a promise. I'm going to have a kid. Like, if you're 99 in this room today, or you have a 99-year-old grandfather, you know, like, that's all sorts of crazy, right? Like, I am done with kids, and I'm only 33. But 99, like, I'm certainly done. And so here's the promise. You're going to have a kid, and guess what? We're going to turn him into a great nation. Look up at the stars if you can count them. That's how great this nation is going to be. And and Abraham's like, yo, like, this don't make no sense. Because of course it doesn't. It's a miraculous thing that God does. I'm going to turn them into a great nation. But the promise goes on, and, and this is what's really important for you and I today. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs. This is not their land. There's, they will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years, uh, foreshadowing Egypt. Then I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve. And afterward they shall, they shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go with your forefathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. And they shall come back here. In the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. I struggled with choosing Joshua as the first book that you and I are going to study as a new church. There's a lot of killing in Joshua. And this verse meant the world to me as a Christian man, as as a man of faith like you and I. I have struggles just like you and I. But here's what meant the world to me. The Israelites are going to go through all sorts of stuff. But God made a promise that said, you know what? The sin of the people, the land that you're in, it's not yet complete. It hasn't reached its full potential. You know what these people are doing? Families were having daughters that were raped. Child sacrifice was rampant. They had pagan gods. And God is saying to Abraham that that sin, that iniquity, those wrongdoing, it hasn't reached its fullest potential. It's only going to get worse. These are modern-day terrorists. You walk down the streets of Syria or Iraq in your I Love Jesus t-shirt. It's not if you will die. It's a matter of when. These are the type of people that we're talking about. And God said, I'm going to give you my land it's a promise to you, it's blessing to you, but it's judgment upon this very horrific people. It's important for you and I to know that going forward. And as he talks about Moses, he says, Moses is, is the servant of the Lord. That, that hit me too. Because when I die and we rent this facility to have my funeral, I, uh, I would hope that stories of being the servant of the Lord can be told. Moses is dead, and he's described in the most brilliant way a man of God can be described. I gave Jesus everything. I want to hear well done when I die. But then there's Joshua. Joshua came out of Egypt. He's been an Israelite, but for him, he, he showed great faith when everybody else didn't. He's Moses' assistant. He's his friend. He's, Moses was his mentor, his boss, his, his, his partner in ministry. And so think about Joshua. The start of the book is Moses is dead. Joshua lost a friend. He lost a boss. He lost a brother in Christ. This is hard for him. 
So verse 2 goes on with, with this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving them, to the people of Israel. So, so Moses is dead? All right. It's time to go. It's time to move forward. It's time to arise. When we lose a friend, uh, a relative, a mentor, isn't it in our very nature to be afraid? Isn't it in our very nature to allow fear to, to cripple us, to be paralyzed, to, to, to lack movement, to want to shrink back and, and sit in a chair and, and just do nothing because we don't know how to move forward without this person? Many of us have been there. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a season for mourning. The, the Israelites have been mourning for 30 days over their lost leader. There is absolutely a season for mourning. But there comes a time, and what God is saying to Joshua, get up and go. It's time to take the land. Rise up. Move forward, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to cross the Jordan. We're going to get into this more in the coming weeks, but the Jordan is a big river, and it's at flood level. So, I mean, this, this is a simple instruction. Wait, Joshua, take, take millions of people, literally millions of people, when you don't have the technology to build a bridge, you don't have the technology to, like, just, here's what I want you to do. Bring them to the river, you're going to cross it. It's at flood level, it's killing people, it's sweeping them away and everything, but I want you to take the millions of people and cross it. Like, what are you thinking if you're Joshua? <laughs> is, is fear not still crippling you? Joshua, take the people, go to the river, cross it, and then just take the land. Just take it. It's like, if you're Joshua, what's the blueprint? What's, what's the instructions? How are we going to do this? And so there's the promise, but here come some more promises. In verses 3 through 5, he says this, Every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Just as I promised to Moses. Then from the wilderness, uh, and this is from Lebanon as far as the great river, and the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward going down, the sun, that will be your territory. Okay, big territory. The man, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua, go into the land. It's a big land. You know, that, all those, like, terminology, the rivers and whatnot. You know how big this land is? It's a third larger than the state of New Jersey. So call it, call it New Jersey, and let's throw in Connecticut. No one likes Connecticut. It's a big land. So Joshua, here's your mission. Cross a river. Go over to this land that's, like, like just huge and massive. Take these two million people and just take it. I'm going to give it to you. He, I have given to you. It's in the past tense. Joshua, this is a done deal. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I am with you. Every place you walk, I, the Lord, am giving to you. No one's going to stand against you. Why? Because I'm with you. No one's going to, you're not going to face anybody in battle that can beat you because I'm the Lord. I ain't afraid of nobody. You're going to get victory because I go with you. But if you're Joshua, if we're just going to put on back our human hat for a second, aren't we scared? Aren't, aren't we afraid? 
There's a big mission. For me, fear would cripple me. Cross the Jordan. Millions of people that I'm now in charge of. Take it, the army, all of it. If we're going to be transparent, fear would cripple us. I know the promises of God, but even the promises are scary. So what do I do? And maybe you're in that, that situation now. You're here. You're, you're hearing a message. Maybe as I'm talking, maybe as we're talking about fear and moving forward, maybe there's already things going on in your mind that says, I'm, I'm afraid of this certain thing and I can't move forward. How do I move forward? Maybe it's things that you've heard in the past. How do I move forward? What promises have God, has God made in, in your life that you're choosing not to believe? Could it, could it be the, the dating relationship that you're in or the engagement that you're currently in? You, you know God has someone that out there that is the best for you. But deep down in your gut, you know that person that you're dating or that you're engaged to. They're a great person, but they're not great for you. Do you trust God? And, and do you believe the promises that God has, loves you enough to send you his best for you? Or is fear crippling you to, to get out of the relationship? So there's these promises, and now there's some commands. There's some big commands. He says in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. We read that. Only be strong and very courageous. Be, very, be careful to do according to the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right, right hand or to the left, that you may, be, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you, that you may be very careful to do according to what is written in it. See, Joshua, he, he has all these promises, go and take the land. And in, in the backdrop of fear, where again, if you and I are being honest, we're afraid, we would be scared, we would be crippled, we'd want to curl up into a ball and say, just, just go. But God makes these promises and says, here's, here's the commands to to move forward, and it starts with be strong, be courageous, and here's how your strength is going to be proclaimed. Here's, here's how your strength and, and your courage, it's, it's, listen to me. Know my word and follow my word. Just listen to my word, and, and that will bring you success. And so if you're going to, if, if you want to know how to move forward, then you got to know my word to, to know how to do that, what to do and what not, what not to do. Atheist Richard Dawkins said this about Christians. He said, I, I must admit, even I'm a little taken aback at the biblical ignorance commonly displayed by people educated in more recent decades. So this, this atheist says of, of Christians today, the people of the past, Christians of generations gone, they were a whole lot more educated in the word of God. They, they knew the word of God. And here's today's, today's new breed of Christians they don't really know God's word like they used to. They're ignorant of it. And if we're ignorant of something, how are we supposed to follow it? So he says, be strong and courageous by knowing the word, living the word, by doing it in verse 7, by speaking it in verse 8, and also by thought. He talks about med meditation. He describes this, this deep, uh, con 
deep thinking of a passage so that I'm thinking about it so that I can try to be obedient over. I dwell on a passage, rigorous thought, not like Buddha, like sitting in a, like a little like whatever with eh, like none of that type of stuff, but just thinking over a passage deeply so that I can be obedient to it. It's for Joshua, it's, it's know the word, speak the word in public so people hear it like we're doing today, teaching the word so that we can then be obedient. If Joshua knows the word but fails to act upon it, he is a fool. I, I have my, my leaders at the highest level, those that would lead a life group, those that would lead a worship ministry or lead our guest experience team, those that are, are, are key leaders in our ministry, I make them sign a, a leadership covenant. Because I want to know what, I want them to know what they can expect from me, their pastor and their leader. But I also want to know that they're committed to following God's word. That, that when the Bible talks about giving their first fruits, giving, giving 10% of our income to God's word, and I want to know that my leaders are committed to being generous if we're going to ask you all to be generous as well. I want to lead by example. And I want them to, I, I get updates on every one of their social medias. I know, a little creepy, but whatever. I want to know that, that they're posting things that aren't contrary to God's word. That they're not getting involved in politics. That they're not getting involved in cultural issues. Because that just divides and it's a waste of our time. Let's just talk about Jesus. I want to know that. I want to know that they're committed to being God's word. That they're committed to growing. That All of those things. And so I make it sign it because I, I think that God blesses people with integrity. And I, I don't want to give God a reason to take away his blessing. Yes, rain falls on the just and the unjust. I know that, but... And, and Job was a righteous man, and he had a whole lot happen to him, but I want to do everything I can to be obedient to God with my leaders. And so I make them sign a leadership covenant to say, I know the word, and I'm going to act upon it. Because here, here's what God says to Joshua in, in the end of verse 8. For then you will make your way prosperous, and, and then you will have good success, Joshua your, your future success depends on knowing the law of Moses and, and being obedient, knowing the law and doing what it says. That, that's what success hangs upon. They lose a battle in the book of Joshua. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. They lose it because they were disobedient. When they follow God's blueprint, victory, 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 victory. Follow me and you will experience victory. It's listen to God and be successful, but guess what? God defines success. For a pastor to be up here talking about success and blessing, I could get lumped in with a whole bunch of other pastors from, from our culture. I'm not trying to say that you're going to leave here and, hey, if you follow God and sign up for our guest experience team today, then you're going to walk home and your bank account's going to be a little bit bigger. Or, uh, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach that type of message. God defines success. It, doesn't, it may not come as you define success, but if God's defined success and it happens the way that he wants, it is good and it is best. So if you want God's favor, how he defines it, the first step is being obedient to what he says. And, and like I alluded to earlier, and I said this last week too, I want to live such a life that when I die, the only success that comes out of my life is that when I die, I stand before God Almighty, and he says, well done. Well done. That's all that ever happens. 
It was worth it. I just lost my page, like, clapping on this. That was stupid. So here's how you move forward. Verse 9 says this. It's not a time to fear. It's not a time for panic. It says, have I not commanded you? He's already said this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. These promises, these commands are are meant to encourage you, not to give you anxiety. They're, They're meant to help you. Don't be afraid. This isn't a time to be dismayed. This isn't a time to be anxious. This isn't a time to be afraid. It's time to move forward. Yes, Joshua, the terrain that I described, there's hills, there's not hills, there's rivers, there's not rivers. It is, it is vast. The, you have an army that has been basically nomads for so many years. They don't have the technology that the people you're going to face, the people that you're going to face, they have big walls, they have fortified cities. Everything is against you. But be strong, be courageous, and not do, not, don't be afraid. Move forward. And so I started wondering, because I, I have fears. What's that click for Joshua? If our, if our instinct is to be afraid, if our instinct, if we're going to be honest, is to be paralyzed, what's the click to move forward? See, see, Joshua, this isn't new for him. Deuteronomy 31. Moses says this to Joshua, and he said to him in the sight of all of Israel, so everybody heard it, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people to the land that the Lord has sworn to their forefathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. And the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not, be, do not fear or be dismayed. Doesn't all of that sound wicked familiar? And I, I'm sorry, you have to get used to this. We're new. This relationship is new. I say wicked because I'm from New England. I'm not saying that something is really bad. It's a good thing. Don't be afraid. He's heard this before. You've heard this, and now it's time to live it. Now it's time, Joshua, to do something about it. And he does. He goes and does it. So now's the time. Here's here's what I hope that we leave here with today. Take confidence in your God. Whatever God is putting on your heart right now, I hope you leave here knowing that as Joshua had this promise, as we have this promise through through the Great Commission, which we'll get to in a second, my God goes with me, that we can act in confidence of our God who is with us. If you have said yes to Jesus, his all powerful spirit is within you. It's overcome fear, it's taking confidence in the Lord to be used by him. The Lord is going to strengthen you, not for your purposes, not for your desires, although it might be because God aligns your desires with his desires. His purposes are to be used for for him. I'm strengthening you for my mission and what I have going on. So will you take confidence to get on God's God's mission? But again, I I go back to this this click. What, 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 What does it take to go from fear to fighting? From paralyzation to getting in the game, from, from the sidelines to the field. And, and so naturally, it brings me back to my good friend Rocky. You know, Philadelphia is in our backyard. You know those stairs. He was afraid of Apollo. His, his child is sick. The mom is sick. He has all this stuff going on. Don't act like you've never seen the movie Rocky. You're not, you don't live under a stone. And so, and so here it is. He's, he's wanting to fight, but his training's not going well. But there's this, there's this moment in the movie where all of a sudden his wife just utters one word. 
And then that old guy is like, well, what are we waiting for? And he like, the best training scene ever, watch it before a workout and you'll rip apart the gym. Check it out. Listen, I've been thinking, if you don't want me mixing with Creed no more, we'll make out some other kind of way, you know? There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! buddy Dustin. I'm about to punch him. Uh, Dustin used to be in, uh, in the youth ministry. I used to be a youth pastor. And uh, this whole process for me has been very, very challenging. I was a youth pastor. Dustin and I had shared just great moments together, had a, you know, this, this solid friendship. And in the thought of leaving the youth ministry, I, there was probably on any given week, there could be anywhere from 100 to 150 kids there. I had job security. I had everything going on. And, and they said, hey, let's plan a church. Bayside said, let's plan a church. And I was like, that's great for somebody else, but not me. And, and then my pastor kept praying and praying. And finally, I felt called into it. And the whole process, I was like, this is so overwhelming. I jumped ahead. Can you play that fight, that fight uh, slide? 
There's a quilt during this process. I, I pray that when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I am no longer in the fight. Because here's the thing, I, this whole thing is hard, but I want to fight. Last week was awesome. It was overwhelming. Then it came Monday. Here's, here's Monday. Can you, can you play that? I know I jumped ahead. I apologize, guys in the back. But here, here's my Monday. By the time I actually got to my email, there was actually more. There was 166 emails. Of course, some of it's junk. Amazon sends a lot of crap. But, uh, but, I, but I had 100, and that's more emails than I've ever had in my life. And so I wanted to curl up in a ball. Can you uh, put your, don't drop them or I'm going to drop you. All right? But I, I, wanted, I wanted to shrink back. That was honestly, I had called my wife. I was partially in tears. I was like, what is going on? Last time I did this, someone said I punched like I don't have a lot of muscles, so I'm about to lay you out. So, but I was afraid. But, but then I had to remember, my, my God, is that okay, Dan? Where is he? He made fun of me. Okay. He, I, I, and Dustin likes the WWE, which is a fake sport, but he likes that. And, and so... But I, I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight because this wasn't done. We've only just begun. Week two's coming. I have promises. I have, I have people now relying on, on not a church, but relying on a God behind the church with a message of a hope. I don't want to shrink back. But what if this week there's, there's 300 people? What if Easter we have to go to two services? I'm a stinking youth pastor. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. But I want to fight. I don't want to give up. I want to be used by God because I want to hear, well done. You have a seat. You guys can thank Dustin for letting me beat him up. And if anybody asks, I did beat him up. And I do punch like Rocky. I want to fight because my fight means more people in the kingdom of God. And that's worth fighting for. Joshua instantly acts. He gets the people ready. He prepares them to cross the Jordan. Joshua was part of a handful of spies under Moses. They went into the land. They scouted it out. Ten of them came back and said, yes, the land is great, but there's big people, big walls. We'll never take it. Joshua's one of two that says, yeah, they're big, but guess what? Our God is bigger. Let's take it. And so Joshua's able to go. Joshua doesn't take the time to remember the words of his friends, those negative nallies, because they're dead in the desert for the lack of faith. And so I want to close with just three, three thoughts on how you and I can fight fear. The fear that cripples us. First is this. Our manual is everything. It's our handbook to success. It, it tells us what to do and what not to do. Try, try building a swing set without instructions. That's a one-way ticket to cursing in front of your kids. <laughs> try acing your college class. When the professor asks a lot of you, but he's not going to give you a, a syllabus or give you instructions on, on how to, to do a certain project, you're going to be frustrated and drop out. Try building a Lego set without the instruction manual. You're going to end up throwing the pieces. The instructions are important. They tell us how to achieve the end result. What doesn't have instructions by its nature is a puzzle. God's word doesn't have to be a puzzle. 
We have life groups to help us understand. We, we have the Holy Spirit that makes sense of it. This is a puzzle. I'm just going to leave it down here. If anybody wants it, you can, you can have it. It was all of $2, so it's my gift to you guys. But God's word doesn't have to be a puzzle. We don't have to drop out. We can follow it and be successful. We can meditate on it day and night. Think deeply about it. If you don't know about God's word, we have cards in the back with a 30-day reading plan. Start there. Because I guarantee if you start meditating on God's word, the Holy Spirit will be used. The Holy Spirit will start forming you to be more like Jesus. And I think that's a good thing. So if we have a clear plan for success, that will be used to eliminate fear. The second thing is this, that we are not alone. Israel was engaged in warfare. They had to go and fight. The first battle is Jericho. Spoiler, they win. You and I are engaged in warfare too. We have a spiritual enemy that wants to destroy us. Joshua was promised, Every, everywhere you go, I am with you. I'm going to give you everything. Then fast forward, we have Jesus. Jesus is going up into heaven. He's telling his disciples to go into all the nation and, and share my word. Baptize people and teach them to obey me. And though I am with you always, we're not alone either. Without God's presence, I wake up Monday morning with everything to fear. With God's presence, I have nothing to fear because my God goes with me and my God is a whole lot wiser than I am. It's God's presence that backs up his commands and so we can take confidence in it as Joshua did. And then lastly, we're in this together. Now, I'm going to read some names to you. It will be confusing, but this is so cool. In Joshua 1, a few verses later, it says, And the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place to rest and will give you the land. Your wives and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor, all your strongest men, your best men, your Rambos, among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and, and shall help them. So, just trust me on this. The Jordan River is a dividing line. These, these tribes of Israel, these, these, these segments of Israel, they all have this inheritance. They all have a promised land. So there's a group of them that they had their promised land on this side of the Jordan. Everybody else was over here where all the fighting was about to happen. So here's a group of people that already had their inheritance. And here's was the command. Your wives and all the children, they can stay here and they'll be okay. But your best men, they're not only going to go with Israel. Your best men are going to go on the front lines and they're going to fight. They're going to help the rest of their brothers fight and get the land. Where the heaviest fighting is. And they're going to share in the victories. What would you and I do for the sake of unity? Are we in this together? Tom's River is vast. There's a lot of people that need to hear about Jesus. We encourage everybody to go after a one. Is your one here this week? Did you share that, that portable charger? Or did you buy a cup of coffee with one of those kindness cards? Are we in this together? Because we need each one of us at our best to go out there and tell people about Jesus. I take confidence that you and I are going to be at our best doing this together. That I'm not alone in this. This is endless growth, one of our goals. 
There's no limit to the number of lives that can be reached for Jesus or the impact he can have on us. If you think, I have no step of faith to take, then as Richard Dawkins said, there's a great chance that you're ignorant to God's word. Because we are not yet in glory, and each one of us has a step of faith. I don't have room to throw any stones at a person that comes up to me and, and talks about all the sin in their life because I haven't reached glory. I have crud in my own life. I have a step of faith to take because I haven't arrived. I have places where I need to take confidence in my God because I am not. Each one of us do. And so my challenge to us is this then. Where is fear gripping you? This coming week, I want you to take a step of faith. And if, you're, if you want to be so bold, hashtag it. Put it on social media with my step. Let's encourage one another. So, so what might that step of faith look like for you? Where might you be strong and courageous? What might be your next step? Is it, is it trusting God with your finances? Being generous and, and fueling our generosity to the public and what we did yesterday at the parade and, and, and giving out water and necklaces that came in that said, kiss me. And it was weird, but it just, it was a mistake. But it was cool. We've still passed them out. <laughs> your generosity fuels our generosity. So where is your step of faith? Are you afraid to commit to volunteering? Like, how could they use me? I, I could help in the parking team, but people are going to be parking at the elementary school. Are they good with that? Like, okay, we'll help you learn. You can volunteer today and be used next week. I promise you. Is that a step of faith for you? But even if you're not serving here, can you serve at your, at your workplace? Maybe you know as you've been sitting here, you're like, there is that person that I know would judge me. Or maybe it's my boss in my workplace that if I talked about Jesus or offered to pray with him, that they would never talk to me again or I, I might not get a promotion. Is your step of faith in, in your workplace? Is food your God? What's your next step of faith? What we said last week, maybe you left here still wondering, and maybe it's time to say yes to Jesus and say, my way of life just in general isn't working, and I need to, I need to submit, and I need to be used by God and just in general give him everything. Be strong and courageous. Take confidence in your God. Let's... Uh, Let's end in just a few more songs, right?